Welcome to the History of North America. I'm Mark Vinette. The Plymouth Company established the Popham Colony in present-day Maine. Pioneering colonist Sir Ferdinando Gorges was a British naval military commander, a key figure and major promoter of the English colonization of New England, and investor in the Popham Colony. His early involvement in English trade with and settlement of North America as well as his efforts in founding the province of Maine, earned him the title of the Father of English Colonization in North America, even though he never set foot in the New World. Eric Yanis of the Other States of America podcast continues his telling of this incredible story. In 1606, King James reorganized how these privileges were distributed among the English concerning the New World along a more organized basis, something more modern for their times, something that the merchant adventurers of England would understand. King James forms the King's Council of Virginia. Now, this is neither the Plymouth Company nor the Virginia Company that you might have learned about in school. That'll all come afterward. But on this council were Sir Fernando Gorgias and Sir John Popham and Lord Delaware. Sound familiar? At the same time, Ferdinando Gorgias, along with Sir Thomas Arundel, they finance George Weymouth, who would undertake an expedition to what we now call New England. The account we have of this expedition was written down by James Rossier, who might have been on Gosnell's trip also. And instead of New England, at this time, they're still calling it Northern Virginia. Now, I'm not too terribly interested in the actual expedition of Weymouth. Like many explorers in that area at the time, they were looking for the Northwest Passage. But one thing Weymouth did that's very important to our story and the eventual settlement of Popham was he took five native captives to bring back to England. Not a nice thing to do, but an extremely common thing that Europeans did at the time. And so by modern standards, he's a kidnapper. But the standards of the time, how else do you open up a multilingual dialogue between two people unless you can exchange young children to learn both languages or you just kidnap people? I'm not defending it, but these five captives were probably all Abenaki. So in and around modern-day Maine is where they would have lived. And from their interactions with the natives, they discovered that the Abenaki probably had several different classes of people, as far as the English could tell. So one guy they took was named Tahandeo, or Tahanedo, and he was probably the Sagamore, or the Sachem, a chief. And then there was Amaret, Sikawero, and Manedo. And Rossier classified these guys as gentlemen. Gentlemen is an English term. It doesn't really relate to the Abenaki. But whatever their relation was in Abenaki culture, he identified Sasakomiat as being of the servant class. So maybe Sasakomiat was a captive, possibly from the natives of southeast New England, like the Narragansett, the Wampadog. But these five men would influence a lot of the thinking of Sir Fernando Gorgias and the future direction of colonization in what we would now call New England. So of these five, Gorgias sent two of them to Sir John Popham who I do not believe helped fund Weymouth's expedition. So maybe this was a way of Gorgias to help draw Popham into investing more in his operations. The other three went with Gorgias, whom he lived with. These weren't like captives living in a cell. They lived with him on his estate. Furthermore, Gorgias read Rossier's account and talked to Weymouth and passed that information along to Popham, where Rossier writes about different ways profits could be made. Of course, no Northwest Passage was found but the many desirable trees, the whales, the fish, and of course the tobacco. Living with these natives, Gorgias came to 
be able to communicate with them by some means and listen to their stories. And he got to know them. And he even writes that they were of better manners than just the common Englishman. Of course, as someone's hostage in a country you don't know and have no possible way of escaping without help, you would probably be in your best behavior at all times. Eventually, Gorgias would see to it that his three Abenaki would learn English. And in addition to all the opportunities that Rossier mentioned in his account, these natives learned what Gorgias wanted. And they told him what he wanted in any way to get themselves back to their homes. And so Gorgias's head was filled with stories about gold mines and about the Chinese Empire having contact with the Abenaki, not being too far to the west of where the Abenaki lived. Similarly, Popham had sent out a sailor by the name of George Weymouth to explore the coast of what would now be Maine. And Weymouth came back with more natives that he kidnapped and a glowing report of various ways that money could be made in the New World. But Weymouth's proposition for Popham was small. It was very similar to Gosnold. Let's start with how we make our wealth. A small colony of just working-age men making money for us and themselves. And as the colony becomes more and more profitable, it'll grow from there. But remember, Popham is not a meat-and-potatoes guy. He's not a salt-of-the-earth fellow. He's in charge of the highest court in the land. At this very same time, he's overseeing the trial of Guy Fox. Yeah, that Guy Fox, the gunpowder plot. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-218-6010. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-218-6010. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-218-6010. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Popham is a big deal. He, instead of seeing a small merchant operation that might have some growth afterward, envisions colonization on a far grander scale, a complete transplant of English society into the new world. Villages and farms as far as the eye could see, rights and privileges and titles of nobility for the upper crust, extending, as it was with Sir Walter Riley and Sir Humphrey Gilbert, for hundreds of miles in all directions. This, of course, without much regard to Native American rights at the time. And so tying all of these things together, from the King's Council of Virginia, Lord Delaware, Gorgias, and Popham start to construct a colonial merchant scheme for dividing up the New World in as far as the English could claim it. And in the hands of King James, this becomes the charter or patents of the two Virginia companies. Yes, there were two Virginia companies. From 34 to 41 degrees north latitude would be the Virginia Company of London. Bartholomew Gosnold will be a major investor and organizer of this company. And again, most of the investors would come out of London and the satellite areas around it. This in the oldest documents is referred to as the first company because its degrees latitude would roughly cover the zone that Roanoke occupied and the commercial monopoly held by Sir Walter Riley and the land that they would have called Virginia, just plain old Virginia. 
The second company would be overlapping in latitude. So there'd be a middle area, roughly the middle states from our colonial era far in the future of this. That three degrees of overlap between the two companies would encourage competition between the two. And this second company would be called the Virginia Company of Plymouth. Again, we see that word Plymouth because Sir Ferdinando Gorgeous would be the main organizer of this company. And investors in this company would come from the West Country and all the places around where Gorgeous lived and had family relations. Some sources will claim that these two companies were essentially one Virginia company with two organs, two sections. And those people would be wrong. They're simply two separate companies wherein they're expected to compete with one another who happen to have their rights and privileges outlined in the same document in 1606 by King James. And over time, the Southern Company or the first company became known as the Virginia Company. Here in 1606, this Northern or Second Company that we're going to focus on for the Popham Colony, they refer to themselves as the Adventurers of the Northern Colony of Virginia. Because again, there's no New England yet. Some people call this area Norumbega. But the real popular term is North Virginia, or Northern Virginia, or the North of Virginia. And in time, this second company would just be known by the shorthand of Plymouth Company. All of this, by the way, predates the Pilgrims that you know of from 1620. This company had a very promising start. For one thing, they consolidated all of the merchants out of specifically the city of Bristol, which was a very important city where John Cabot sailed out of Giovanni Caboto a hundred years before, more than that. And since that time, out of this port city, there had been many of the merchant fishing and fur trading operations along the coast of Newfoundland and Maine and places that we would now call Nova Scotia. And so the Plymouth Company tried to roll up all those old interests into one common cause, one common direction. Why compete when we can all be part of the same company? And this Plymouth Company, this northern company, the second company, they were actually ready to move a lot faster than the Southern Company, the first company, the one that's going to found Jamestown in 1607. Here we are in 1606, and Popham and Gorgeous are already sending out ships under the sanction of this new charter from King James. With settlers, they're not looking to go fishing, they're looking to build homes and stay a while. In this joint venture, Popham is going to organize an outfit and pay for one ship, Gorgeous another. The two would rendezvous off the coast of Maine and find a place to settle down. In addition to these settlers, the ships would also have some of the native captives on board who have since learned English, who could now be used as interpreters and intermediaries between the Abenaki, other native groups, and the English. The ship that Gorgeous financed was captained by Henry Chalons, and they were warned not to take a southern route. Don't go the way Gosnell did by the Azores. It's too close to the Iberian powers, and they know you're up to something. But they ignore that advice, and they end up being captured by the Spanish. The whole crew is turned into galley slaves, by some account, mere captives by other accounts. Either way, this is scuttled. Gorge's entire investment and the lives of all these people have been completely derailed and taken. Popham's ship left a little later, September of 1606. A terrible time to start a new colony off the coast of the North Atlantic. This ship was captained by Pring and Thomas Hanham, who was Popham's own grandson. They managed to avoid all the hazards and they make it off the coast of Maine. But of course, no matter the arrangements, they were never able to rendezvous with a ship that had been seized by the Spanish. And so they were weary of setting up a colony when only one of the two ships showed up. But they did scout out some potential sites for a colony. And most importantly, they brought back two of the natives, Tahaneto and Amoret. The hope was, despite being kidnapped, all the good treatment they received and the fact that they now know English, they would be useful to the English in the next coming year. 
given that colonial efforts could be reorganized in England and more ships sent over. And that is precisely what happens in the year 1607. Check out the YouTube version of this episode, which has accompanying images. I'm Mark Vinette, and I hope you're enjoying the ride. The Historical Jesus Podcast is the sweeping saga of the life and times of Galilean Jesus of Nazareth, as well as the faith, religion, and church founded to honor and disseminate his acts and teachings. Join me, Mark Vinette, on this fascinating journey through time, exploring the many great works of Christian theology, literature, architecture, music, and art inspired by the words and deeds of Jesus Christ.